and welcome back to the Big Pivot Podcast, brought to you by IDG and Informatica. I'm Rob O'Regan, your host. Today's episode is about compliance, specifically as it relates to the General Data Protection Regulation. GDPR marks the biggest change to European Union privacy laws in the past two decades. When it goes into effect in May of 2018, organizations that are out of compliance could face steep fines, not to mention reputational damage. We'll talk today about GDPR's potential impact on any organization that does business in Europe and the steps that businesses should be taking now to prepare. Not surprisingly, the issues around GDPR compliance are firmly rooted in data, where your data is, where it goes, and who has access to it. Our special guest today is Steve Durbin, Managing Director of the Information Security Forum, a leading authority on cybersecurity, information security, and risk management. Steve is a frequent speaker and commentator on technology and security issues, including GDPR. So, Steve, what's the mood across the EU regarding GDPR on a scale of calm confidence to panic in the boardroom? Well, we've, we've had quite a while, I think, to, to really understand some of the implications of the GDPR. We seem to have been talking about it for, for quite some while. And, of course, as we get closer to this May deadline, I think for most organizations, they're now entering a critical period for their data protection regimes. They've probably understood the applicability of the GDPR. They've probably begun to put in place some of the controls, and they're beginning now to understand the capabilities they need to have in-house to manage their compliance and risk obligations. And all of that, of course, sounds very, very simple and very easy. And I think at a certain level, of course, the GDPR is. It is relatively straightforward. There's a checklist of rules. You just need to comply. Easier said than done, however, when we do look into the fact that we are dealing with personal data. We've been gathering personal information on our customers and our employees for, for quite some while. And I think the real challenge that boards are beginning to understand is that you need to be able to track this information demonstrate that you've got privacy by design in the way that you are handling that information and that you can preserve the integrity of it and demonstrate that not just to regulators but also to the subject citizens should they ask at each and every stage of the information life cycle and that really is what is causing I think some of the challenges that we're beginning to see now in terms of getting really ready for, for May 2018 and, and certainly some organizations have got to this point where they've said, actually, we need some external help to be able to drive some of this through. Perhaps they don't have some of the resources in-house, or perhaps they've really understood that, that the gap analysis that they've done is just perhaps a little bit too big for them to bridge within the timescales that are left available. So I think, you know, calm confidence, well, certainly in, in some organizations that have uh, prepared well and, and began that early. Panic, probably not yet. Uh, I expect the panic to set in round about the, uh, the January, February time when everybody comes back uh, from, the, uh, from the new year and begins to realize that, that actually time is drifting away very, very quickly. So how diligent do you think the authorities will be once this goes into effect? Is, the, is there real enforcement weight behind the law? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things about this regulation was that it was given some, some real teeth, if I could put it that way. So it does have the capability to impose steep fines. We're talking up to 4% of worldwide revenues. That won't be the level that, that every single fine will go to, of course. But I think that for most organizations, when they look at that number, it gets their attention. And that really was the intent behind the, uh, the regulation. But there are other elements to it as well. One of the things that I find, I think, compelling from an organizational standpoint 
in terms of whether or not you ought to be complying is that the supervisory authority does have the ability to prevent you from processing data in certain manners. It can actually prevent you entirely from processing data that you hold. And so for any business that is data dependent, that could be fairly fatal because it could actually shut you down until you can put in place some of the remedial processes. I think one of the other things that we are going to see, and and this is going to potentially hit organizations from a press and reputational damage standpoint, is that the regulation does compel organizations to communicate data breaches, not just to the authorities, but also to affected data subjects. And so I think that we're going to see, certainly as we move through, probably midway through next year and, and towards the end of the year, something of an uptick in the amount of breaches, whether that is real, of course, or whether that's going to be reflected in the fact that many more of them are being um, reported, we'll have to wait and see. So I think the regulation's got a number of different tools in the kit bag, if you like, that the supervisory authorities can pull out. And I do expect them to really make use of all of the uh, all of the tools that they have at their disposal. Okay, so let's bring in Graham Thompson, SVP and CIO of Informatica. Graham, as the CIO of a global organization, what are you doing to prepare for GDPR? Give us a progress report, if you would. Yeah, Rob, I mean, the first thing we had to do was to to gain approval from an EU entity to accept our corporate binding rules. And once we completed this step, we moved on to the operational decisions that needed to be made to set out our strategy for how we would later go on and, and implement the solutions required to be compliant with the legislation. So what were some of those decisions? I mean, the first one was really, the first big decision was whether we should try and isolate the program to just the EU or adapt, adopt those standards worldwide. And even if you think you know the answer to that, I recommend you still have that debate at the executive level because the, the implications of that one decision are pretty significant. But for us as a global company, that's the way we, we chose to go. At first, my approach to this was really that you know, we've got we've got a lot going on with our own company transformation and I, I viewed this as just another piece of legislation that was frankly just going to get in the way of the real work that we had to do and that therefore our strategy should be to do the bare minimum to be compliant. But the more I was educated about this, the more I started to agree with our, our legal team and our CISO that we should that we should do this globally. It sounds like a massive undertaking. Yeah, it, it is and um and while there are parts of this that are going to be burdensome and parts of it that on their own, they won't really provide any capability beyond being compliant with the important legislation, but parts of it will really make us a better company. So as an example, who wouldn't want to be able to honour business contact preference elections more effectively? Who wouldn't want to be able to demonstrate that they know where all their customer data is, where it's created, where it's used, etc.? And I really believe that building these capabilities will make us a better company. And, uh, and I think this is the approach that, that others will take. And then, you know, it would be a shame if you did deploy this just for the EU and then all of a sudden the Asia-Pac region adopted the same or similar standards. So I think it's a fairly accepted assumption that other regions will follow. You know, often the EU leads in these privacy matters and then other regions follow along. So weighing all this, we decided to to take on the, the additional work and to make this a, a global standard rather than just trying to restrict it to Europe. What about the costs associated with all that additional work? Yeah, so really you could argue that, you know, as a global company with global systems and processes, I think it would actually increase the cost and it would increase the probability of failure if we tried to do this just for the, for the EU. You know, if you look at business contact information, you can't tell based on the email domain whether the 
the person is in Europe or in North America. So trying to do it at too granular a level, honestly, I think we would fail. So I think it, it may be counterintuitive, but um, doing this globally, I think it'll end up being faster. And I think ultimately it will cost less than trying to isolate just the EU business contact data. So we're now going through the process to, to scope the work that's needed to change all the applications and the processes, working with uh, our professional services team and, of course, using our data management products to, to get to the bottom of this and implement the solutions required. Steve, what's one thing about GDPR compliance that most businesses don't realize? Is there a gotcha that the C-suite or folks like Graham need to be aware of? I think one danger is that we do run into when we talk about GDPR compliance is that organizations run the risk of of viewing it perhaps as a one-time checkbox process. It isn't. The real challenge, I think, for organizations with GDPR compliance is that it is an ongoing process. At any single point in time, you could be non-compliant because obviously you're still collecting personal information, you're still processing personal information, you're still sharing personal information. So so that for me, I think, is, is probably the big one. And if organizations do understand that, then really they're embarking on a transformation project along the lines that Graham's just been talking about. Graham, building on what you were saying earlier, are there unique characteristics of GDPR that CIOs need to prepare for? Or does all the stuff we're talking about fall under the category of data management best practices? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it requires data management best practices, but I don't think they're the same thing. The legislation is very specific. There are very precise things that you have to be able to, to do and demonstrate that you can do. And, um, you know, if, if there are any issues where there's an investigation by an EU entity, you're going to have to demonstrate that you had the capabilities in place. So it's, I don't think the two things um, equal one another, but one is definitely dependent on, on the other. And I think it's interesting, Steve's point, you know, this, this is not like Y2K where once it's done, it's done. This is like Y2K without an end date. There's going to be a constant challenge as, as new, um, new systems, new processes are created. They all have to be designed with compliance with this legislation and in mind. So, you know, uh, while this does really pose some challenges, it's really an opportunity for organizations to take a much more holistic, intelligent and automated approach to, to managing their data and the governance around that. And some of the key steps include identifying and accessing the data. What, what data do you have? Where does it reside and what needs to be protected? I think you have to define the, the terms around your data. What's that, the metadata around the business contact information you, you have and what would be considered under the scope of this, this new legislation. And then you have to make sure that you know who has access to that, to that data. And then you have to make sure that you are mastering the data so that you don't have different versions of the same customer record that when that customer wants to invoke their right to be forgotten, as an example, you only have one place that you have to go do that. You don't have to discover all the different places where that customer's data may, may reside because if that's, if that's the approach, then you're probably going to fail. But those same capabilities, those core disciplines that will enable you to be compliant with GDPR will also help you achieve better business outcomes in your company. As Steve said, a lot more companies are becoming data-driven and compete based on on data. So this is definitely going to help you there. Interesting. Thanks. Steve, what's your perspective about how CIOs can use GDPR as a catalyst for better data governance? Yeah, I think the data protection and and legal compliance within the GDPR shouldn't just be perceived solely as, as a burden. It does provide organizations with an opportunity to move their programs beyond traditional, perhaps, risk reviews and data analysis to really deliver some tangible 
operational change. You know, Graham was just talking about some of the benefits there in terms of knowing where your data is. And I think that smart organizations are going to see this as an opportunity to secure competitive advantage. And whilst every organization should judge the risks and rewards of its own data protection investments, I think the GDPR really does offer something of a unique opportunity to translate necessary compliance, yes, into very tangible business benefit. And I think if CIOs can talk that language with business leaders, they're certainly going to be very well heard. They're going to have very much more of a, of a presence in terms of driving business forward. And I think they'll be able to clearly demonstrate that any of the investments that they've been making are in line with the strategic objectives of the organization. So, so for me, you know, smart organizations can really pick this regulation up and use it to their advantage. So in terms of implementing this, Steve, what are you seeing in terms of how organizations are, are bringing in new people or implementing new processes to prepare for this? Well, I suppose that the, the first thing that we need to talk about here is, is the data protection officer. Uh, you know, that is outlined as being something of a core requirement of, of GDPR. And, and this individual is going to serve as the focal point for ongoing data protection activities. And, and also, I think, very importantly, the whole educational process across the enterprise as to what it is that's required in terms of handling personal data. But... The individual is also going to have to operate very, very effectively with other governance functions. You know, we're not going to see information security, legal, records management, audit, and so on, just disappearing and being taken over by the, by the DPO. And so I think that one of the challenges for this person really is to how do they get the message across, not just to the business, but also to these other areas I've just been talking about? And how do they get that embedded into an organization? and make sure that they've got the necessary processes and technical solutions in place to achieve compliance. So data protection officer clearly is one big requirement for, for organizations, I think, to consider whether or not they want one of those in-house or indeed to uh, outsource that. The second thing, I think, is that certainly new and, and enhanced data protection procedures need to be built into processes that already exist in the organization. And that includes everything from you know, project planning through to external service contracts. That's a big one. A lot of legal uh, councils have been heavily involved in, in rewriting some of these service contracts. And of course, procurement processes. And we shouldn't forget that, as Graham mentioned, this you know, right to be forgotten, so upholding the right to erasure or, or indeed portability within the way in which some of these documents are, are rewritten, this privacy by design that uh, the GDPR refers to. And I think that one of the key challenges is how do we go about engaging the right people across the enterprise who deal with these processes in a sensible conversation about GDPR, helping them to understand why it's important and helping them to, to really understand that organizations need to adopt some new processes in this, uh, in this space in order to be compliant. So I think in all, what the GDPR is, is a piece of regulation, yes, a compliance requirement, of course, but actually a real tool for business change. And I think that uh, organizations that adopt that approach to it are going to see some, some really uh, sound benefits. Graham, are you finding that, that you need new skills in IT or elsewhere in the organization to help with GDPR compliance? Yeah, so it, it really depends on the culture and the maturity of the organization. So if, if you're an organization that's still trying to protect your data by securing your infrastructure, then you're going to need a completely different skill set and a different culture in your IT team and your information security team. 
But if you've already realized that protecting or leveraging data means actually managing the data, then this is just an extension of that. And in some cases, it will be a deeper focus on something you'd be doing anyway, like a solid data retention policy, customer mastering, data masking. But if you're not doing these things today, GDPR will be much more disruptive for your organization. I'd like to wrap up by hearing the three or four key questions CIOs should be asking or actions they should be taking to ensure they meet the compliance deadline. Steve, you want to start us off? Yeah, sure. I, I think the first thing is, you know, acknowledge this isn't just an IT issue. IT has a role to play in, in making life easier here, but it isn't just an IT issue. It is a, a business issue. I think secondly, I would say really try to understand and identify where your organization's information critical assets sit when it comes to personal, personally identifiable information. Do conduct a gap analysis of the information your organization holds. That will enable you then to focus resources, including some of the third parties you're probably working with, on really where the attention needs to lie in order to achieve compliance. And I think finally, I would say, consider within your own organization how you can turn this exercise into significant competitive advantage for the business by talking to business leaders, by engaging with them in terms of what it is that you're doing. And I think by helping them to understand that there is a, a a one-off opportunity here to really make some significant change. Great wrap-up. Graham, what's your take? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with um, Steve's points. Uh, and I would just add to it that as a, you know, as a CIO, you didn't invent this legislation, so present it as what it is. You know, be transparent that it will cause work for other business functions such as R&D, HR, marketing and customer support. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. Secondly, if you're not joined at the hip already with your legal department, your chief privacy officer or your data protection officer, go do that today. And then find ways to make compliance with this legislation an advantage for your company. All those data optimization opportunities that you as a CIO know are out there will be made much more possible as a side effect from this legislation. So go half fill your glass and start evangelizing that with your stakeholders. That sounds good. Thanks, guys. This has been a, a great discussion on GDPR and data-driven compliance. I've learned a lot about how disruptive GDPR can be, but also how companies can start to take advantage of this type of legislation and turn compliance into competitive advantage. For more information about taking a data-centric approach to GDPR compliance, visit informatica.com. You can also visit the Information Security Forum's website at securityforum.org to download the ISF's research on GDPR, including an implementation guide. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Catch all of the Big Pivot episodes with Graham and other special guests by subscribing to the IDG Tech Talk channel on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and now also on Google Play. For IDG and Informatica, I'm Rob O'Regan. Mm -hmm.